Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Australia have retained the women's ashes. It was yet another thriller in a series Heather Knight described as the best in the history of women's cricket, but a Nats Brunt century couldn't quite get England over the line. Welcome to the Wizard Ashes Daily Podcast. I'm joined by Raf Nicholson. Raf, that was quite something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was another nail-biter in what's been a series of nail-biters. So you can kind of understand Heather Knight saying that this is the the greatest series of all time in women's cricket, although that is quite some claim. Um, But yeah, it was just one of those where you kind of weren't quite sure what was going to happen. I think um, there was obviously a point sort of midway through England's chase where it was a bit like, yeah, Australia have got this. And then, of course... Um, Natsiv Abrunt was just um, towards the end he just thought she could kind of make this happen actually yeah um, I guess well we've got you I mean you're the expert what what would be the other candidates for the the greatest series of all time wow okay well I guess there was a series in um, there was England in India in um, the winter of 95-96 where there were I think there was like a tied test or and then like a test where they won by two runs and there were just a series of very close games um, but of course it wouldn't have had anything like the coverage um, but yeah you probably want to get Claire Connor on the pod to talk about that one because that was one of her earliest series for England uh, yeah I mean because I guess that's the other thing that's made this series so great hasn't it is the uh, it's just like I mean you know three sellouts for the ODIs like not not quite sellouts but packed houses for the for the T20s as well what, what, what did it feel like as England was sort of getting close and getting maybe within touching distance of doing something pretty special in Southampton? Well, you could hear the Barmy Army trumpeters for a start, uh, which has been a new thing at women's cricket. I really don't think that they've been um, at women's matches before. Um, and I guess, yeah, the crowd kind of didn't quite know what to make of it because I think some of them had sort of almost thought, oh, shall we start getting out of our seats and kind of wandering around? Because we all know the Aegeus Bowl is a little bit of a difficult ground to get out of if you've ever been. Mm. Um, and then suddenly, um, yeah, those those last sort of seven overs or so actually looked like England might be about to pull off the miracle. So it was kind of quite quiet, I think, because people were just very nervous. Nats of Brunt has a way of like, um, it's, 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 it's a thing that lots of great all-rounders have and it's like a specifically around a trait I think when a game is like almost gone and she kind of keeps it alive longer than there's any right to like there was I guess the World Cup final last year the 100 eliminator as well was a bit similar what what is it about her I guess that like means she can sort of summon that when it's almost completely gone she's just such a calm person and it's a cliche isn't it and we you know we talk and we write about people playing calm innings but she's just always calm 
And actually seeing her really emotional and really kind of excited about stuff is quite rare because she's just very placid as an individual. Um, And I know that um, her wife, Catherine Silverbrunt, has talked a lot about this, about them kind of being the yin and the yang a bit. Um, So obviously Catherine Silverbrunt, notoriously very fiery, and Nat Silverbrunt is the kind of calm person in the relationship. So I think that she just just retains that calm. I do think, though, that um, her innings today was kind of representative of a little bit of a, a team change though to the kind of mentality of them because it really feels so much like this series they've approached it differently and they have genuinely believed in very difficult situations that they could win matches and of course they didn't quite manage to do it today but they did at Bristol um, and they did at the Oval and at Lords um, in kind of three matches where they were quite tight situations. Um, and you just felt like previously in previous incarnations of England, even ones captained by England, with captained by Heather Knight with some of the same personnel might have just folded. But actually, this England side aren't doing that anymore. And that, to me, is kind of what's changed this series, I think. Hmm. Yeah, there was a great moment when when that sort of ramp got to her century. And Catherine was on TMS. So her reaction was obviously like absolutely sort of massively like so happy. And Nat like barely acknowledged it. Like she she looked almost like annoyed. I think she hadn't hit it to the boundary. And then like when the crowd wouldn't stop clapping, gave the sort of like half a bat raise. But um, uh, yeah. And then and then with that, just with that last shot, there was a moment I was watching it on TV when the, when the ball goes up, I thought it was, it was, it was maybe sailing into the stands and then it comes down and lands as obviously safe, but safe for Australia. But yeah, it was it was amazing. And also, just as her record against Australia as well. So she averages 44 overall, which is like obviously exceptional. But it's 58 against Australia, the, you know, the best side in the world by a distance, 300s against them now. Um, yeah, she's just, she's just brilliant. Um, yeah, unfortunately, all in a losing cause. So that will be a record that she'll be keen to change at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, may, maybe in the third ODI. Um, I guess Natsuma Brunt wasn't player of the match. Uh, Alana King was. Let's let's talk about her because uh, I mean that ball to bowl Tammy Beaumont in particular. If you haven't seen it, go and look it up because it's what pitcher's leg hits off. It's like a classic Ashes delivery, and that was obviously a huge moment with Beaumont going so well. She's just just a brilliant bowler, isn't she? Yeah, it was great in the press conference because somebody asked her about that dismissal, and she said, "Oh, I haven't watched it back yet, but my dad was on the balcony shouting, that was a ripper." So I knew it was a good ball. So I thought that was very funny. Um, But yeah, it was a brilliant delivery. um, And it kind of looks like a bit of an inspired decision in some ways by Australia to bring her back, but also a bit of a strange one to have then left her out um, in the proceeding for white ball games after having played in the test. I mean, so they they picked both Wareham and King in this game. and Obviously, George Wareham had that decisive moment in the final over where she, what, hit 28 runs, was it? The second most ever in a women's ODI over. But um, is, is that, I mean, it's tricky when Australia have so many good players, they can easily bring in someone and then they do something brilliant and you're like, why weren't they playing? But it's because they just have so many players or do you think they are still kind of working out where their their spin pecking order sort of is, I guess? Yeah, no, I think you're probably right that they've just kind of spoiled for choice a little bit. And even today they played, I think it was four frontline spinners. And and how often do you, do you see that? Um, even in the women's game where spin is a little bit more dominant. So they obviously um, kind of made that quite brave decision in some ways to to change things up a bit. I think, yeah, there's there's an element of being spoiled for choice, um, but also there's been some... The, the, the difficulties they've really been having has been with the, the pace bowling. Um, 
so I guess that perhaps partly explains that decision to have um, an extra spin option. Although I am, I'm a little bit surprised. This is going to be controversial that they're kind of persisting with Megan Shoot um, because I feel like maybe she's done. If you're going to drop her or Darcy Brown, then you might um, think we might look at their records this series um, and and think that has Darcy Brown done anything um, worse than than what Megan Shoot's done? Um, but yeah, it was a kind of an interesting decision selection wise yeah i guess it felt to me like a reaction to the the last odi when they basically lost control essentially in that first turnovers and as much as it was all the quicks darcy brown with the extra pace if, if her radar's a bit off then that has the potential to do that again whereas should maybe they'd feel like obviously in terms of not maybe not the same penetration as brown and if it, it felt like they opted for control today and actually england basically got away from australia in that sec in the first ODI and then got pulled back in this game, although England got off to a good start, it never felt like they were like too far ahead of the game. And so it wasn't like Australia were clawing it back. They were just like relying that they would build pressure and the wickets would come. Yeah. I mean in a way what England really needed, and this is gonna sound awful, is for Sophia Dunkley to get out a little bit earlier than she did today because it was just painful to watch. She was so just she just looked stuck. Um, and like she couldn't she couldn't score even a, even a single run um, and obviously in the last match what happened was that um, she scratched around for a bit and then got out and Alice Capty came in and was able to kind of dominate that power play um, and what we saw today was England going oh well we haven't lost a wicket in the power play so we can drop Alice Capty down the order and I'm not sure that actually worked very well. Mm, yeah and there were also so many extras in that first game that even if one of the batters wasn't scoring that quickly the partnership was still going along as it was in this case as well, I guess, but still wasn't going that right. What, what do England do there for the next video? Because there's, there's not a spare batter in the squad, really, is there? I mean, but do you think they might just think about dropping Dunkley down the order? I guess there's no time to call in a replacement, I guess. Or do you think they'll stick with her for this game and then reevaluate? I think they'll probably stick with her. Um, I think I, I, Heather Knight has has a lot of faith in her um, and perhaps, you know, deservedly because she has had um, a good run of form kind of leading into this series. Um she's certainly a much better player than she showed today um but yeah i think we'll probably see an unchanged england going into the next odi on the basis that um yeah they've very much been kind of talking the talk about we all really believe in each other as a team we all really think that everyone can do everything and um and it would just show a bit of a lack of confidence to to jiggle around with that order that's that's my that's my reading of it anyway yeah we've just talked a lot about england and this is i guess an Australia moment with them having retained the Ashes. How do you think they'll view this? I mean, uh, Shelley Nitschke, the, the, the coach, was on uh, on the on the TV coverage after the game, and sort of she obviously it's still a game to play, so she wasn't she wasn't she was still talking as if you know had lots to improve, which is obviously true. Equally, they're a team who are missing some key players, and I guess for Alyssa Healy as well, this would be quite a big moment to have sort of got them over the line in this way even if it hasn't been even though it's been pretty they've kind of got the job done I guess I don't think they do see it as job done although it's an interesting one because obviously they have now retained the ashes but to win the series outright they've got to avoid losing the next game um, and so they are still very much talking the talk of um, no we've come here to win the series outright rather than just to retain the ashes so I think there's definitely a feeling and, and Alana King reflected this in the, the post-match press conference, just sort of saying, well, um, you know, we were celebrating a bit, but we're not totally celebrating because we haven't done yet. 
get what we came here to do. Now, it will be interesting to see whether that narrative then changed if they do lose the final game, because obviously they then still get presented with the Women's Ashes Trophy and will be expected to kind of publicly celebrate. But I think from where we are at the moment, um, they will they, they don't see it as job done. For, I mean, from an English point of view, they probably would have admitted this and maybe it's not the case. But if you'd said before the series to most England fans that you're going to draw the series scoreline and win both white ball series and also an ODI series win would be Australia's first defeat since 2013 I think so in a decade basically obviously it hasn't happened yet but that 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 would be an extraordinary achievement in and of itself even if it uh even if it's not what they actually set out to do, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I already wrote for something for The Guardian um, before this match, saying I think it's, it, this series already represents a kind of changing of the guard moment um, between the sort of Australian ascendancy and Australian invincibility to actually we're moving to a point now where that kind of golden Australian generation is coming to an end. And therefore, we're not going to see always Australia winning everything all the time, perhaps. I don't know whether I'm getting ahead of myself because obviously, you know, they've just won today and they could end up winning that final match. But even for England to have won three back-to-back matches in a row when everyone, including myself, had totally written them off is actually an astonishing achievement in many ways. The only worry I have or the thing I was thinking in terms of England is that, as you say, when England were, what, five down, it, it wasn't game over, but it felt like game over. A little bit and then you compare that to when Australia were five down and it still felt very likely they were going to get up to something pretty imposing I guess and it still feels like although England have some promising young players that so much of the batting in particular just rests on Beaumont, Knight and Silver Brunt still right like if one of them doesn't get a big score we're not yet at the stage where you're looking at the rest and thinking that runs are coming from somewhere is that fair enough is that the next thing you'll be hoping for? Yeah, I mean, I think England, yeah, have probably still got a longer tail than Australia. And that's been one of the hallmarks, hasn't it? That um, over the years that Australia's kind of late middle order have been able to come in. And, you know, they've had moments where they've had like Elise Perry coming in at seven or, or eight even. And you're just like, what is going on here? We've taken so many wickets and mm. we've still got one of the best players in the world coming in. Um, but I think... In, like in terms of the kind of the the crossover of the generations or the the you know moving on to the next generation, I think Alice Capsey um this series has just proven what an astounding astoundingly talented player she is, um and so I do think that yes we're still relying on kind of Nat Silverbrunt for the um to sort of play the anchor role a bit more and maybe offer that slightly more reliability. But you've got Alice Capsi doing Alice Capsi things at the other end, and that's really exciting. And I also, as I've said, I think that the difference is maybe we're looking at it and going, oh, England are five down. They're not going to put a a score on the board or they're not going to be able to chase this down. But England are thinking we're five down, we can still do this. And they did do it at Bristol when they were eight down. And they all said we believed it was going to happen. and, And it did happen. So maybe they're having the last laugh. Um, well, if the previous games have been anything to go by, the final ODI should be something pretty special. We'll have a week of podcast tomorrow with more Women's Ashes discussion, and then we'll be back again for our final Women's Ashes Daily on Tuesday. Cheers. <laughs>
Social Podcast Network.